Welcome to the Golden Age of Cardboard podcast, where we remember a time when stacks of cards were held together with rubber bands and Mickey Mantles were put in bike spokes. We hope you will enjoy and reminisce as you come along with us as we tell stories about the baseball cards from the Golden Age of Baseball. We will examine the state of the vintage baseball card market and talk to some of the greatest collectors in the hobby. You won't be hearing us talk about any chrome or shiny cards here. Now, to take you on this retrospective journey, here's your host, direct from the shallow end of the gene pool, my son, Mike Moynihan. Yo, and hello, everybody. Welcome to Golden Age of Cardboard, hopefully your favorite vintage sports card podcast. Who am I kidding? It's not sports card. We talk baseball cards on this show. And I'm going to apologize in advance. I have kind of an unstable internet connection, so I hope my audio is okay. That's really what matters to me. The video is kind of irrelevant because we're just going to be talking on this episode. And tonight, my guest is a longtime friend of mine and fellow hobbyist we're going to talk through a topic that i think is something a lot of collectors think about and and maybe just don't you know verbalize it so i'm going to bring him on right now i hope he's there let's see oh he's there sorry somebody in their car listening to this is cursing you right now because they're like what the heck it's Joe Silverjackify on YouTube. Hey Joe, how you doing? Welcome to the show. Doing good. That was a that was an awesome intro. Thank you. <laughs> I just said you're. What am I gonna? I told him before. I'm like, I'm gonna give you a great intro, and I'm like, yeah, he's just this guy. That, uh, <laughs> I'll take it. I am just this guy. You are a guy. Uh, we've known each other for years now. Um, done many fun things at the national uh we've been to yankees games together in new york i mean we've, we've done some fun stuff and i have to tell you that you are the person that i have the most fun with in the hobby i just want you to know that i have Thank more you. fun with you i laugh more with you than anyone else and i appreciate that about you uh feelings mutual mike like i you know, I'm, we were just talking about the two of us going to be at the National in Cleveland, um, and I'm looking forward to it. But, you know, you'll, you'll be the one that I, that I hang out with probably the most when, when I'm there. So, um, you know, uh, I'm looking forward to it. I, I'm already, you know, like like I said, I just booked my hotel. Uh, I actually booked it in downtown Cleveland because uh, I figured, you know, my, uh, my wife's going to come with me. She's going to taken the experience uh so she's gonna hang out in downtown cleveland but i'm looking forward to uh hanging out and maybe seeing a game together even you know see a guardians game i might be the only youtuber that's actually met your wife yeah, probably i don't think she's ever uh shown up on an episode uh on one of my episodes ever she's like i don't think she's even been in a that's single a good episode. yeah it's a good point but you've met julie too um we were all in New York together and went to a game. Um, but man, it's that's going to be a lot of fun in Cleveland again. When we even roomed together, we roomed together in AC. Yep. If, if we want to call that rooming together, we were <laughs> more like 
praying every minute in <laughs> during the evening that we wouldn't be, you know, broken into and yeah, there know. was there was a a bum sleeping outside where we were staying at. Like you had to in order to get out of where we were staying at, you had to like walk over him to get to get past. Hey, this is a politically correct channel. He was home challenged. <laughs> home challenged. He was home challenged and uh, he slept on a, a mattress outside of our door. Yeah, that was great. Uh, that's what you hope for in an Airbnb uh, every time. So what I want to talk about tonight, Joe, is the first question I have for you is your collection's amazing. I've always been an admirer of the way you collect. I love the way you collect. And I've watched it evolve and change over the years um and you're you're a good guy that you you mix vintage and some modern you do the rookie explosion box by filmington you do some things that allow you to scratch that itch of buying current cards right but you're predominantly a, a vintage guy i think at heart is that true oh yeah absolutely you, you know it's um by I mentioned to you, to you before, you know, my, my dad's really the one that got me into collecting and, you know, I grew up in, you know, in the eighties, like a, a lot, a lot of people probably listening and, you know, went to a lot of shows and my dad was the one that kind of uh, showed me the, the, all the tools that I still use today, which is around, um, you know, quality over quantity. You know, he, he really preached to me the importance of, uh, the condition of a baseball card. Um, and he was also, um, you know, as you know, uh, really into the 1952 top set because that was the set that he grew up uh, collecting. And so a lot of times, you know, when I was a kid, I'd, I'd go to shows and I would, uh, you know, I, as a kid, I was, I was just, I'd buy a box of 89 Don Russ and open a bunch of packs, but he you know, I would buy my packs, but then we'd spend almost the second half of the show looking for a nice vintage card, uh, for, you know, for his collection. We would spend, you know, we'd walk up and down the aisles and uh, try to find a really nice, like, we never spent a ton of money. Uh, our budget was always pretty small, um, but we would always try to find a common card from the 1952 top set. And, you know, my dad grew up as a Cleveland Indians fan. And uh, so sometimes we we try to get a Cleveland Indian if we could. But it was always like, let's find a common 52 tops card, maybe a Cleveland Indian, maybe a Yankee, because, you know, I was a big Yankees fan um, that was in great, great condition. And it wasn't it was part of the fun was the hunt to try to find that card, you know, like trying to, you know, with 50 bucks or 40 bucks or whatever we had, trying to find a like perfectly centered 1952 tops card that, you know, was in pristine condition. And uh, so that's sort of why I've, you know, been, um, a, like you said, a vintage collector at heart, you know, like I collect modern cards cause that's what I did when I was growing up. But at, you know, um, but what, what was really fun was trying to find that, great looking, uh, you know, even if it was a common card, vintage card, uh, you know, from the, the from the fifties. So that, you know, that's probably part, part of the reason why I'm a, you know, big vintage collector fan at heart. And how would you say that, because this is going to be the topic of the episode is how we change as collectors in terms of what we collect, what we like, 
how would you say that has evolved for you? And people think when I say we evolve as collectors, I think they they mean that I mean it's demeaning. It's not. It's just our 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 likes and desires change over time, and I think that's very natural. What has your journey in that regard been? Even just the change I've seen in you in the last year or two, like maybe go back and then kind of bring us up to the current. Yeah. So, um, I started my YouTube channel, I'd say about eight years ago now. Uh, so it's, you know, one of the guys that's been around for a little bit longer. Um, you know, when I first started doing YouTube and, you know, really, really getting in back into the hobby again, you know, a lot of the, and I, if you go back to one of my first videos, I did a, you know, a tips video because I knew there was some people watching that I wanted to give some advice and, and there were very like high level, you know, tips. Um, and so in, in a lot of ways, those, nothing has changed, uh, in terms of, you know, the stuff that I preach, you know, I always preach, you know, quality over quantity and, you know, uh, buy the, buy the card and not the, the grade type of stuff. And so, so, you know, in terms of, you know, the, the main things that I focus on that hasn't changed too much, but what I've, uh, noticed for me, you know, and I guess everyone's collecting journey is different is, um, while those things haven't changed, uh, one thing that I've started to really like really focus on and i mentioned this on my new year's resolutions is even even almost like doubling down on on what i want to do um so when i say you know i want to um do quality over quantity like i'm almost like talking about taking it to the next level where um you know at the end of the year you know every year i do my top 20 50 cards for the year. Um, and I thought it would, how cool would it be at the end of 2024 to say, I only picked up eight cards for the entire year and just really, really focus on like eight to 10 cards that are just total quality cards for my collection and really, you know, focusing on uh, sort of downsizing my collection from, you know, have having thousands of cards to maybe focusing on like, you know, for the year, I focus on eight cards. But then in addition to that, not only focusing on the quality of the cards that I'm purchasing, but one of the other things um, I've started to kind of um, enjoy is the the idea of selling. And it it's weird because, you know, growing up, you know, I, I always I always love to collect. And I always had this kind of dream of setting up at a card show. That's always been a dream of mine. And, um, but I've never, I've, I've never set up at a card show. In fact, until two years ago, I had never even sold a card in my entire life. So, you know, I'm 45 years old. Um, I hadn't sold a single card in my entire life until I was like 43 years old, never sold it. Now I gave away some cards, you guys, and like, you know, the, I've done the epic giveaways <laughs> and I used to have like a whole thing where I had like songs about it and it was fun. It was fun doing the giveaways. Um, but up until a couple of years ago, I didn't really start to sell. And what I've noticed is that that actually can be a lot of fun. 
Um, and I, I don't, in the, it's weird saying that because I, I think there's like a weird, um, it's almost like a, like a, a bad thing to say. I don't, I don't even know what, how you, if you agree, Mike, but there's almost like a, a negative connotation to saying that I'm a collector, but, but I also sell, I don't know. Maybe that's just in my head, but um, you know, the, the idea of, you know, like if you're a, a true collector, a true collector would never sell his cards. Um, and so I've always had that in the back of my head. So I've never really sold any cards, but um, what I've started to enjoy is, you know, if there are cards that are in my collection that, you know, I don't care about that are collecting dust in my, you know, closet, why not, you know, is sell those cards, take advantage of uh, some of the collection that I don't care about as much, and then use that money to purchase, you know, the, the cards that I do want to add to my collection. So that's been a big shift in, in, in my mindset is, is really um, enjoying, you know, starting to enjoy that aspect of collecting. So. Well, don't you think, don't you think motivation matters? Like, why are you doing it? And I would argue that if you're selling cards that you no longer have interest in, or, or you're, you're wanting to move on, which is this whole part of evolving as a collector, right? As you go, you know, I've kind of enjoyed having that, but I'm, I'm, I want this. And so without significant outlays of cash, you know, a lot of, a lot of people run a self-sustaining hobby where they're either buying boxes and breaking them and selling singles in order to fund other card purchases. That's become more and more typical, I think, for guys and or girls, uh, for people in the hobby. I think that's completely acceptable. If your motivation is to become a dealer, that's I think that's a different angle than I'm a collector. I've got these other things that I'm not as excited about anymore. I want to turn those into something I can be excited about for my collection. I know guys that will buy cards and hold them for a little while and they're, they're ready to move on to the next thing versus guys that buy a card. They like it. They move on to the next thing, but just keep the thing that they, you know, some guys sell that some guys just stick it in the closet and it collects dust, like you said. Right, right, so right. I, I don't think either one is wrong. Um, I'm not a big seller of my own. Like I buy cards for myself. I've been selling a lot more lately only because I've been acquiring collections and being part of chasing cardboard and some other things that are, uh, or selling is just part of it. That doesn't mean that in every collection from chasing cardboard, I find cards that I want for my collection. And then I buy those and then they, you know, tie and crew sell the rest, you know? Um, and I don't feel bad about that. I'm not like, oh, we need to keep all of the, well, you can't keep, for most people, you can't keep everything, right? And so I think your motivation is in the right spot. If you want to get leaner and meaner in your collection, so to speak, you're, you're going to have to either win the lottery or sell some cards. You know, those are kind of your, your two options. Uh, and I, I, so I don't, I, I think maybe you're thinking that people look down on you for that. I think that's in your mind because I think most people would say, yeah, that's just smart. That's just wisdom. And and that's what 
when I talk about this evolution as a collector, we as we grow as collectors in terms of our experience, right? Um, you kind of learn what you like, what you don't like. When we were all young, we bought 89 Donruss packs. You know, we wanted current players because that's who we were watching and that's who we saw. I always loved vintage, but I could never afford it. So I just bought the current, like bought what I could afford. As we as we've gotten older, our discretionary incomes have increased. Our uh, tastes might have changed changed over time. I, I I graduated from being a player collector. Not that I don't know older guys that are player collectors. That's great. I just went, I don't want to just be a single player collector. It felt very narrow to me. I wanted to expand the breadth of my collection. And so you still have to put guardrails up, right? Because you can't buy everything. And so that's what I try to have some guardrails. You can't just, I'll just buy anything that is cheap. You know, it's got to have a purpose. So when you think of these eight cards, Joe, or whatever, however many number of, you know, this, this kind of getting lean and mean, what types of cards, give me some examples of some cards maybe that fit into that category for you. Oh man, that's such a great question. Um, You know, I try to keep, you know, I, I think I mentioned, you know, when I did my New Year's resolution video, I mentioned some cards, but, you know, and I'll, I'll get into some of that in a little bit. But, you know, I, I think mainly I try to keep my mind open to uh, any possibility or opportunity that that I stumble upon because I don't want to limit myself to certain cards, because if there's if I limit myself to like one or two cards that I might miss out on an opportunity uh, for, for, for some other great items um, every day, I feel like, um, and that's the, the beauty of, of this hobby, right. Is, is that there are every day I learn something new, right. Every day I learn about a card that I didn't even know existed before. Um, and, you know, and I know you're a huge fan of Dave blue jacket 66, but, you know, every time I watch one of his videos, I learn about a card that I didn't even know existed. And I've been doing this, like I said, for 45 years and I, I, I'm consumed in collecting. It's all like, you know, it's all I think, you know, I'll be on the train, you know, I have an hour commute to the city and it's all I think about sometimes. And I'm doing research and, you know, trying to understand every, like everything I can learn about collecting because I love it. And I'll watch a video, you know, of someone like him, you know, or enough said cards and, you know, they'll, they'll start tell, tell me, teaching me about a card that I didn't, you know, of a Babe Ruth card that I didn't know existed. And, um, and so I feel like, you know, I'm still learning, you know, as a collector, um, you know, it's funny to say that at my age, but there are so many cards that I learn about every day and I'm like, wow, like how cool is it that there's this, you know, ice cream card of Babe Ruth from 1923 or something like that, you know? And, and then I, and then I'm like, wow. And then I, then I find out how much it's going to cost me. And I'm like, oh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, so it's, you know, um, it's been really fun, you know, and that's part of the evolution for me is um, learning about some of these oddball kind of, you know, cards of, you know, vintage players that I didn't know existed. So that's been a lot of fun. Um, but then, but then of course I, I say that, but then I'm also drawn back sometimes to the cards that I've wanted for so long. So it's like this, 
Um, you know, I've been wanting the T206 Ty Cobb bat off shoulder or bat on shoulder now. Um, you know, the the show in Chicago, Mike, um, where I bought the Cap Anson, the 1888 Cap Anson, um, I went to that show with two cards in mind. I had two cards. It was the Cap Anson and it was the Ty Cobb bat off shoulder, which uh, side story, like the fact that I ended up in the like before I had even gotten to the national meeting the, a guy <laughs> that had that Cap Anson card, the odds of that happening, like. So for those of you that don't know, I, I, I went to the National in Chicago. And what was that, like five years ago, Mike? Four years ago? It was 2018. Uh, 2018, right. So so I go to... No, I no, 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 sorry, 2019, 2019. So yeah, almost right. five years ago. Yeah. Right. So so I go to... I fly to Chicago and I I arrived that morning. I got... I, I like to fly early. So I, I had, you know, flown in in the morning and I was just about to head into the National. But before I went in, I, I went to the the um the bar at at the at the uh hotel lobby and, always good to get liquored up before yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um you know having my my eggs and coffee and who knows maybe a, a mimosa too and <laughs> um this, this guy sat next to me with an incredible one of the most incredible t206 collections i've ever seen uh and have you seen this this guy's collection do you know what i'm talking about mike Dude, I don't um, remember his name, but I yeah, know who you're yeah. talking about. Yeah, so so he sits down next to me and he and he shows me this the most amazing T206 collection, and he knew I was interested in the Ty Cobb, uh, but he told me he's not interested in selling it because he because he you know he he was that's all he did was he collected T206 cards, but he had watched a video of mine and he, and he asked me he's like he's like I know that you know you mentioned the Cap Anson as well are you are you interested in that card and he showed me and it was a PSA five. Cap Anson, one of the most beautiful cards I've ever seen in my life. And it was exactly the card I was looking for. And the the pop on that card is, I don't know, 30, 40 cards in the world graded by PSA. Um, so the fact that he was sitting there next to me was incredible to begin with. And, um, you know, I said, you know, maybe, maybe I'll be interested. I walked the floor and um, you walk the entire floor. I think I saw one other Cap Anson there and it was like a two. It was like a you know, like somebody ran over that card. And I I saw after I walked the entire floor, I I, I saw him and I, I asked him if the card was still available. He said yes. And I paid him right there on the spot. The most the most I've ever spent on a card in my entire life. Um, I spent eleven thousand dollars on that card at, in the middle of the national. I PayPal'd him right there uh, on the floor of the national. Um, <laughs> and so that was the most I've ever experienced spent on a card in my entire life and uh, but anyway uh back to your i don't know if I, i'm going all over the place but yeah um you, the, you know my my focus is on vintage cards um you know if we're talking about the eight cards they would probably be guys that are you know huge names <laughs> big names um yeah you're known as the goats guy you love yeah. the goat right the goat, yeah the goats, um, yeah. So it'd probably be, the, you know, I'm a big fan of that '88 uh, Goodwin Champion set. I'd love to add the the Harry Beecher from that set, the first ever football card. Um, there are some T206 cards I'd love to add to my collection, but I, I think one of my focuses this year will be on, uh, as I was kind of alluding to, it would be buying a card um, 
that's a little off brand, like one of those, um, you know, intro, like a Babe Ruth, but a Babe Ruth of some brand you've never heard of and, you know, a lower high grade. Um, there was that um, recently the uh, I was uh, looking at an REA auction at the end of the year and there was um, have you ever seen that that Thai cab, uh, sorry, Thai Cobb cabinets card, you know, like the bigger. The T3. You know yep. Yes. The T3. Yeah. I, I was I bid on that card because um, it's one of the, again one of the most beautiful cards I've ever seen, and uh, unfortunately I was outbid. But I could see myself trying to pick up something like that this year. Um, you know, <laughs> the, these are big big cards, but um, you know, and that's that's you know, in order to pick up those types of big cards, you really have to, you know, you can't be buying a lot of other cards, um, and you got to sell some other cards to make that happen. So. You kind of you kind of see where I'm going. Right? Do, do you think the hobby in general is moving that direction? Because I've been trying to buy some some of those types of cards. REA is a great example of one I just got absolutely hammered in. I didn't win anything uh, <laughs> in that. I was trying to win a DeLong Gehrig. I got blown out of the wall. I didn't really get blown. I was. It got to my limit, like upper limit, and I'm like, no, I'm just not going to pay that. And I was, and then I tried to do a 34 Gaudi uh, Garrig, the yellow one, you know, he's got the green and the yellow. Oh, that's such a great card. Yeah. And yeah, that's the other card I want. <laughs> I didn't get that. Uh, <laughs> did you know Garrig only has five cards from his playing days? Wow. So the DeLong, the 33 DeLong. Gaudi, the two 34 Gaudis? Yep. And a. Uh, well, there's two 33 Gaudis, right? The 160 oh, okay. and the 92. The 34 Gaudis, the 30, and he has a 32 US caramel. So I think they, when they, right. I watched a guy's video about the five, and he he counted the 33 just once because it's really the same picture, right? It's not really a different card. It's just got a different number. So the 32 US caramel. So that's it. Like in terms of mainstream cards. And, and the video I watched was fascinating because they're all low pop, real, relatively speaking, compared to Ruth or Cobb or some of these other guys. And so Garrick's kind of one of the really scarce guys out there. I'm just I'm giving you fodder so that you can maybe target some Lou Garrick stuff. Uh, I think you would you have what, what Garrick stuff do you have that's vintage? Do you have any of those five? The only the only card that I have is the 33 Gaudi. Gary. okay yeah gotcha. and i couldn't even tell you which number it is like i, I you know to me yeah. it's like it's the same card so I, I never really cared about which one's which you know for some I, that's just not i'm i'm kind of like that with t206 cards too like i don't care what the back of the t206 card is for some reason i just don't i don't get i, I think some of the backs are cool but i don't i, I don't know why you would pay well, I, I do know why, but I, I'm just it's just not an interest for me. I'd rather I'd rather get a Piedmont of like a really a really nice looking Piedmont than a crappy looking, you know, what, what, you polar, know bear. polar bear, polar bear, right? right. One or of the most, or, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I love the polar bear black backs though because of the blue. yeah, they're cool. they're cool. They are really cool. Um, that's a evolution for me, getting more into pre war. And, and I'll tell you why, because this is what's been happening in my collector brain over the last year and a half, maybe two years, is 
I've had all the man I have all the mantles but the 52 tops, right? And and you have one of those, so don't ever invite me over because you'll be missing that card. But the I have all of them. And so when I go to shows and I see them, I'm not I'm like I already have like I don't even I don't know how to describe it. It's like it's not that I don't care. That seems a little harsh, but I just I'm not interested in those like i've got them i've had them for a long time most of them and so once i got the 53 tops which was kind of my last one recently yeah. you know to fill my run minus the 52 tops it's been like okay i have all the clementes i have all the errands and it's i'm not trying to flex here i'm just trying to say that that stuff doesn't interest me anymore because it's in my collection it's funny how we're only interested in things we don't have in our collection oh, right right absolutely yeah, yeah I I, that's another thing, by the way, that I, I want to, I'd love to finish the, my mantle, my base mantle run. You know, that, that's a, another thing that I'll probably focus on this year. And you can't go wrong with Mickey Mantle cards <laughs> at all. You know, it's such a, such a great, you know, every single one of them are, are fantastic, but yeah, I'd love to add, finish one off. Of the- one of the first episodes we ever did together on this show was how Mantle is the goat of the hobby. Oh, absolutely. And he still is. Uh, anybody that doesn't think that doesn't know what they're talking about. I'm just being honest. And I'm not even a Mantle. I, I mean, I appreciate what he did, and but he's a Yankee, so how good can he really be, right? Um, I'm just kidding. Mantle, <laughs> Mantle's the goat. What Mantle cards are you missing for your base run? So, uh, 54 Bowman. Um, let's see, the 50s. Uh, I, some of the 60s cards, I don't, I, I pretty much, I, I think the only, I think I have the 1960 tops, uh, the 1964 tops, but I'm missing a lot of the 60s cards. Um, but I have the big ones, you know, I, I have the, you know, the 51 Bowman. The 52 tops, the 52 Bowman. Uh, last was it last year um, or the year before that? I picked up the 53 tops. So I got like, and then of course I have the 56 tops. So I, I mean, and then I got the 59. Um, so some of the bigger, you know, like in terms of finishing off the run, like it got the big ones out of the way. So now it's just a matter of knocking off. But then, you know, I, I've gotten to the point now where I'm like, if I'm going to get, that you know a mantle that i've that i've never had before i, I have to get it like in a high grade <laughs> so it may seem like a, an easy task you know considering the cards that i already knocked off the list it's going to take me a while because i'm gonna i'm probably not going to just settle for you know um like a 58 t- tops that isn't like perfect um like i'll, I'll probably want like a, a high grade 58 tops which is going to take me a while to get sure so, yeah not so I have a nice Bowman rookie. Yes, you do. That is that is, that is a really nice. I am very jealous of that fifty-one Bowman uh, mantle that you have. Do you have a yeah. fifty-two tops, which I am jealous of? Um, <laughs> I decided that's going to be like when I finish my four-decade run of all the Hall of Famers. The, the fifty-two tops is going to be the last card I buy to finish that project, and you know it's. But we're getting back to the point of the 50s, 60s, 70s stuff. It's like I, the more I attend shows, the more I watch YouTube, the more I search eBay, mm-hmm. that stuff's pretty commonplace. And so 
now I'm trying to go for the uncommon. I'm trying to do just like you're doing. I'm going for stuff that I never really, that I, A, want to learn about, like Tito fixes, right? And want to, I don't want to go into it completely uh, just void of, of knowledge about it. But I'm also, I just find it cool because the discovery part is what makes cards. Does that make sense? Like discovering something and discovering the history of the set, the player, the whatever. I know you have a big fascination with Rube Marquard, right? Or Rube Waddell. Sorry. Rube Waddell, yeah. Right. And, you know, you got his card because you heard his story or you read it in Glory of Their Times or whatever, right? And what are you drinking, by the way? I just want to be jealous. Um, that is a, uh, martini. Nice. Shaken, <laughs> not stirred or. Uh, shaken, shaken. And then lots of, uh, olive juice. <laughs> so lots of dirty. You're, you're, you got, you're really dirty. Dirty. Like <laughs> um, so Rube Waddell was a player that you found fascinating and you wanted to make that connection complete by getting one of his cards. Right. And you got a, I think you got a T206 of him or something. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, one of the things that is so incredibly fascinating, like that's, that's exactly such a great point. Like, and that's, what's so fun about some of the, uh, the common players from the, you know, that the T206 set or any, you know, pre-war is you, you really, um, some of them, some of these players, I mean, the, the, the backstory that they have is, is incredible. I mean, you know, Rube Waddell's story is is crazy, you know, like about everything you learn about him, how he used to wrestle, you know, bears in the off season and how he used to, you know, he'd be on the mounds, you know, throwing a no hitter and then see, hear a fire truck and go and just run off the mound and just go chase after a fire truck. Um, But then you'd hear about stories about him, you know, out dueling Cy Young, (laughs) you know, like he sounds like he's crazy, but he's also so, he was so incredibly talented um, and then how he died of pneumonia, um, you know, trying to save a family from a flood um, or, or save people from a flood from his like local town. And, you know, just I mean, and his story is, you know, it's not it, while his story is crazy. Like every time you look, you know, you dive into some of these, you know, players, you learn that, of course, a, a lot of these guys, you know, they, they weren't able to live on just a baseball salary. So. They had to do something else. And a lot of times, you know, when you're playing baseball, you know, what kind of job are you really going to be able to hold down? So they, they have some, like some of the oddest, some of these players, you know, you learn about what they did, you know, as their side job, as their side hustle. And it's always like fascinating the the types of stuff they did. So um, yeah, that a hundred percent, like that's part of the, um, the fun of some of these. Um, and that's part of the reason why, I, you know, I, I like the idea of getting into, cards that I don't, that I want to research. Cause I, I could, I, I get to learn about the player. I get to learn about the set, like where, you know, how did it, um, how, how did, how did somebody get a card like this? Like, did they, were they at the bottom of a Cracker Jacks box? Were they, um, you know, a, a coupon that you ripped off the side of a, a milk carton and then you sent it in and, you know, it's just these uh, fascinating stories about the sets and the players and, um, so that's part of the reason what, what draws me into some of these, you know, pre-war cards and especially like oddball cards uh, a little bit more lately. I don't know if you want me to tell everybody this, but 
I don't think a lot of people know that your side hustle is a gigolo has helped you buy a lot of cards. Uh, and that's, that's great. Don't, don't tell Pepino, man. He might, uh, <laughs> he might be, he might be sending you a check. Uh, I heard you're a gigolo. <laughs> Dude, me too, is what he would say. If you've, Followed my baseball collector channel and watching some things that the, the stuff I've been really excited to pick, pick up all the stuff that I need and in, in the mainstream stuff, but I didn't have any Walter Johnson cards. So I, I got a T206 portrait. I didn't have a Matthewson card. So I got a T206 example of him. You know, there, there are these greats. I didn't have a Cy Young. So I got a, a Cy Young card, T206. Awesome. These guys that are just legends mythical yep. in the in the in the baseball world i wanted to complete that circle of connection to me to buy a card and own a card of that player i don't need all of christy matthewson's cards or cy young's or walter johnson's but i wanted one you know to have to say hey someone comes over and says do you have a walter johnson card and i can say yes um is that kind of like, are there players that you feel like, like these goats, these greats that you feel like, man, I need a card of this guy who would come to mind? Oh yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I absolutely, you know, there are, um, there are certain players that like definitely annoy me that I don't have their cards. And I, I feel like it's weird because, because I've always, you know, people ask me like, what is your focus when it comes to collecting? And it's really, owning like um it's it's almost like owning the history of baseball you know owner you know and with it with a touch of you know basketball and football and um there are definitely some players that um i don't own a single one of their cards and i'm kind of embarrassed to admit that you know i don't own um any tris speaker cards and he's one of the greatest players of all time i don't own any jimmy fox cards um i don't really own any any like i own like a one or two stan musual cards but i, I kind of find it embarrassing that i don't really have any big cards of his but yeah th those things you know bought like and so when you mentioned walter johnson and cy young and um you know christy matthewson and ty cobb like how am i supposed to <laughs> it's like how am i supposed to be somebody that says I'm a collector of the history of baseball. If I don't have those names in my collection, like, you know, if I don't have those names in my collection, I feel like I'm, I'm not telling the story of baseball, um, which by the way, not to get on a <laughs> sidetrack, but it's what bothers me about the hall of fame. You know, I don't understand how you could tell the history, the story of the hall of fame, without, you know, Pete Rose and Barry Bonds. And I, I, I don't want to get too sidetracked, but you know, that's what bothers me. Like, I feel like if you're going to have the hall of fame, you need to have, you know, how do you have the hall of fame without the guys that brought you out of what could have been the collapse of baseball after the 94 strike, you know, you have Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa who basically saved baseball. And, you know, of course, they, they don't even have a whiff at getting into the hall of fame. And, but yet you guys, you know, some of the guys that just got in while they're, you know, Todd Helton, great player and all, but you know, if I'm telling the history of baseball, I could tell it without 
<laughs> I'm going to start <laughs> making people angry here. You but, are. You need to be careful because <laughs> I can hear people unsubscribing from your channel yeah. right now. Uh, no, I mean, look, the there are people that would are in. By the way, I agree with you. Bond should be in Clemens. All those guys. There are people that would say on the other side of that that they are represented in the Hall of Fame. There's Barry Bonds artifacts in the museum telling the, his story and, and what happened in 98 and what happened in 03 or 02, whatever year it was that he broke the record again. Yeah. Uh, and, and then there would be people that would argue that Cal Ripken really brought when he broke Lou Gehrig's streak in 96, that that's what got people interested in baseball again. So for every... Point that we the point is you want a comprehensive story in your collection so you have Barry Bonds cards I am I have to give you some crap you don't have a Nolan Ryan rookie and that just bothers me to a lot of degrees uh, yes that bothers me as well it, 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 believe me it bothers me as well and I I feel like at every show I I I always look at the Nolan Ryan cards you know a, a, a Nicely centered Nolan Ryan card is not easy to find. It is it is a tough card to find. That is a tough set too. Um, you know, there's always like, you know, you, you you see my collection. I'm very you know focused on eye appeal and um, and so I, I just I always feel like like the card's never good enough. Like it's never like it's not it, you know I could pick up a Nolan Ryan no problem. But it, like at, at this point you know, 45 years into my collecting journey for me to pick up a, a crappy Nolan Ryan, I don't, I don't think would do it justice at this point. So now I've kind of put myself in a box where I'm like, if I'm going to buy a Nolan Ryan card, it better be better look fantastic. Um, and so I, I end up going to shows and, you know, it'll be a little off center or there'll be a jaggedy edge and I'll be like, you know, I'll take a look at it. I'll be like, eh, it's just not good enough. And I'll pass on it and then I'll see like a card that's, you know, worthy and it's like way above anything that I'm willing to, to spend. So that's that's sort of the the conundrum that I'm in right now with the Nolan Ryan rookie. Welcome to all of our conundrums. <laughs> we, all, <laughs> we all are faced with that. Yeah, uh, I'm trying to as I'm sitting here, I'm trying to think of big glaring holes and it's not even in players necessarily as much it. I've kind of filled a lot of those with the young and the uh, Wajo and, you know, some other Christie and those types of things, but I don't have a Cobb card, which is a big hole for me. Embarrassing. Uh, I don't have a, I think the oldest Ruth I have is the 49 leaf. So I don't have any playing. I don't have any of the Gowdy Ruths. My favorite's the 33. Uh, card number is it 188 or what 144 whatever it is where he's batting yep um, that's a huge card that i would love to own and a, and a crazy expensive card and and you we we turn into old men i think too our evolution as a collector is we remember when cards these certain cards were much cheaper and we're like this is ridiculous i can't believe you know this card is so much i could have bought it two years ago for half the price or whatever and it and it it's not a regret as much as it is a, I don't like where card is like, dang it. It just, right. I can't change it. But I, uh, I always remember that I've said this before. I remember cards I didn't buy more than I remember the great deals that I've gotten on some amazing cards over the years. Um, 
I remember the ones that got away, you know, um, but yeah. those holes, like I'd love a 49 Bowman Jackie, right? I'd really love a 49 leaf too. And and those are kind of on, those are big cards. You got a 49 leaf two years ago. At Atlanta. I was with you when you, yep. when you purchased it. You helped was, me negotiate. What's that? I said, you helped me negotiate on that card. <laughs> well, <laughs> You did a pretty good job on you didn't you I was there for moral support I think uh I well, would agree it, that you should buy it. Yeah it, well it, it helped that I like literally couldn't go any higher. <laughs> like it was like <laughs> I I don't have another dollar to give you. I was like this is as high as I could go. It's as much money as I can give you. And weren't you that was a negotiation with like the guy who owned the car didn't even have it was a different it was a uh, auction house or something that owned it or was holding it or consigning it for the guy or whatever. Yeah. He was, he was like in England, I think yeah. the, the yeah. seller was, it was in England. And so I was like negotiating through somebody at the show who was talking to the guy in England as you know, what price he was willing to sell his uh, Jackie rookie for. Crazy. That was a, that was a little bit of a gamble too. Cause if you remember it, like the, uh, the slab was cracked. And um, that was a that was kind of nerve wracking to, you know, to buy, to spend that much money on a Jackie rookie and seeing that that the the slab cracked. Um, but I think we all kind of looked at it and we, you know, we we didn't have any concerns about authenticity or anything like that. I think we did have some concerns that maybe it would grade lower um, if I got it re-slabbed. Um, so it was a little bit of a risk, um, but it, you know, worked out uh, pretty nicely for me. You um, got it in a fresh slab and you got it. That was, that was well done. Um, it's funny as we're talking and I hope people listening hear that and kind of bringing this full circle is it's okay to move around the hobby to find different areas of the hobby that you feel like you want to explore and enjoy yep. and that, you know, <laughs> doesn't make you a bad collector. It doesn't. And I'm trying to, maybe I'm doing this as therapy for Joe to make him feel better, but it, it just means you're changing and, and wisdom is where knowledge and experience, you know, kind of, you, you get that over time. You can't, you're not born with wisdom. You acquire wisdom and as you're as you're moving through your collecting journey, Joe, you're you're getting just wiser about yourself and what really matters to you. The things that you thought mattered to you when you bought them five years ago, 10 years ago, three years ago, just may not have the same appeal. And moving on from that, I just have a problem moving on. I have a Josh Hamilton collection collecting dust in my closet that I would love to to liquidate and I and I probably should do that. Even if I can only get pennies on the dollar, it'll free up space. It'll give me some money that I can put towards a card that I would really enjoy. I never look at my Hamilton stuff. Um it, it's just sitting there and I, I it just makes me mad though every time I pull it out because I realize how much money cumulatively I spent on Josh Hamilton. And but making a mistake is okay. Um you know, it's okay to make mistakes. I'm not sure. It's, I'm not sure if it's a mistake, though. If you, if you, you know, if you really enjoyed the process of of doing it, eh, maybe it was a mistake. That's no, that's a good point. I did enjoy that. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I started to think about my, uh, the, you know, some of the cards that I bought. You know, Greg Bird and um, 
Miguel Andujar and some of the prospects that I've Glaber. Glaber Torres. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, the list goes on and on. Um, and what, yeah. Yeah. I'd probably call it a mistake a little bit. <laughs> but you learned something, right? And so any final thoughts can you tell everybody out there about evolving as a collector and have you learned anything tonight about yourself? Yeah. I mean, uh, well, you know, one of the, one of the things that I, one of the things that I thought was really interesting, I was at a uh, card show about a week or two ago and, um, you know, I, I walked the floor and I, you know, I purchased a couple of cards, but what I enjoyed more than anything was um, spending time talking to a lot of the dealers that just had these amazing, you know, experiences. And it, it was really fascinating to, you know, see them reflect on, you know, a lot, it was funny. A lot of the dealers that I met with are retired and, you know, that that's what they do now, you know, like they don't, they don't have a full-time job anymore. They're retired and they, you know, they sell baseball cards and they, and they uh, love what they do. And I, I, you know, um, I guess, you know, in terms of <laughs> that is one, one thing that I, you know, as I evolve, um, as a collector, you know, I, I do wonder, you know, maybe that is something, you know, that I, I might want to consider it at some point is, you know, um, cause it, like what they, what they're living is like, almost like my dream, <laughs> you know, like they, they, they don't have any, you know, stress of, you know, working a nine to five anymore. You know, obviously I'm not ready to retire anytime soon, but you know, th the beauty of being able to retire and then enjoy, you know, making that, you know, some, some extra money just, and doing what you love, um, you know, selling cards, but then, you know, more than anything, I, I talked to a guy, uh, a dealer for about 30 minutes. And <laughs> while this poor guy was talking to me for 30 minutes, he didn't sell a single card because he was too busy talking to me. Um, but I could tell he didn't care. Like he was just like, he was, he was having so much, he was having so much fun telling me about, you know, his, his collecting journey. Um, and it didn't matter that he wasn't, you know, making any sales, like what mattered to him in that moment was telling me, you know, his stories and, um, and his collection and his, you know, some of the, per he was showing some personal collection stuff that I could, could only dream of. Um, and so anyway, you know, I, I guess, um, you know, the, the, I guess the, the main thing is to, 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 like you said, uh, Mike is just to always evolve as a collector. Don't feel like you, you have to stick like, you know, up until two years ago, um, I was only somebody that would buy cards. I would never sell cards, but now I've gotten into selling cards and who knows, you know, maybe I'll get into selling cards and then I'll get back into modern who knows. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, you know, following what you love to do and, um, you know, focusing on that and not worrying about like expectations of other people around you, I guess is what I'll leave it with. All right. I have one last question for you because I've yeah. been fascinated. As long as I've known you, I don't know the answer to this. <laughs> when you are wherever you're shooting a video, I never see cards other than if you're at your table, you might set a few up. And I know you're, you have a, I've seen a lot of cards in your collection over the years. You've got a lot of cards. Do you have like a secret door, like to a secret 
like the back cave, the card cave where you store everything. Where do you put? Because you have hundreds and hundreds of slabs. Where are where are your cards? Uh, yeah, I mean they, they are they are hidden, um, <laughs> and in some cases they're locked up. Uh, in uh, you know, like I've got that safety deposit box at the bank, but I, I don't, you know, um, I, I got my little uh, you know secrets of you know where I hide, you know where I've got my my. But it's weird because it's like it's chaos. Like to anybody else, my collection would be chaos. Like I, I feel so sorry for my wife and my kids, like when they have to deal with all this crap and they, you know, they, they, they see, like they find cards like that. They didn't like, they're like, what the heck, you know, they'll be digging, they'll be finding cards, you know, probably years after I pass. Like, Oh my God, Joe had more cards in the corner there. Um, <laughs> so um, that's one of the things that I always think about is like, Oh my God, you know, I, I feel bad. Hopefully my son gets into, collecting because then i won't have to like figure out you know won't have to pass along to you know my wife or daughter who, who could care less <laughs> about cards but yeah I, I you know i don't keep them all in one spot they kind of like they're all in their uh special places um throughout throughout the, the house or um in you know in a safety deposit box but you know um but you'll and then and the only person that that know but it for me it's all in a very like it's it's cataloged the way that my head works. Um, and it I, I only think makes sure. sense to you. It only makes yeah, sense. Exactly. To you. <laughs> like I've made I've made some videos like where I I go through my process. Like I have my my high end cards, and then I've got my like briefcase cards, and then I've got you know slabs that make it to the second briefcase, and then I've got you know cards that like are you know uh, good enough to get into a top loader, but then there's you know and then there's cards that go into the binder. Like I have a whole system that only I understand. Um, and I've tried to explain it in, in certain videos and um, some people, in, in, you know, enjoy it. Cause like, I think everyone's got their own system like, like you do, but behind you. <laughs> well, we like to, I think people, and I, I, I know this cause I feel this way. I like to hear how other people do it. Uh, I don't have a monopoly on the best way to store cards or organize my collection. And so hearing other people, sometimes when I hear your video, I'm like, dude, I would never do that. That's idiotic. But, <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. But it's it, we all have different ways, and I and I, my my system has evolved to keep using that word from watching from picking this idea from one person, another idea from another person, and this idea, and and I admire how people organize their collections. I find it part of the collecting process and enjoyment yes. is the way we organize and in ourselves and get a, get a collection into its, or a, a card into its collection home. You know, there's a process to that. So I just had to ask you, cause it's so funny. I'd like, I, I don't know, don't know where any of your cards are. So that's okay. Um, yeah. I, I count like I've been getting into cataloging all my cards in VCP. So that's been kind of like, I know you do the PSA registry, but I do VCP also. Oh, you do. V oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I've been like, Every card that I add to my collection, I add to the VCP. And then um, if I, you know, sell a card or um, I remove it and I put, you know, so that that's sort of the the best best organization that I have is is that list that I have in VCP. Otherwise, it's a big mess. <laughs> so I'm going to summarize what you said in this whole video and we're going to close it down. 
sell modern buy vintage i like it that's a great mod motto to leave people with and uh, no um thanks joe for coming on the show again and uh thanks for making me laugh and having a good time appreciate you we're gonna, we're gonna have a good time in cleveland man i, I promise oh uh, i know we will <laughs> All right, guys, thanks for watching this. Uh, we'll catch you guys next week with another episode and keep collecting.